Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. This week, we're discussing pretty much all things Marvel, and that means we got to bring back the the latest podcast's uh, Marvel uh, expert. <laughs> I'll I'll go ahead and give you that title. The the our Marvel correspondent, uh Christy Strauss. Christy, welcome back once again. Yeah, happy to be back. I'll I'll take that. I don't know if it's accurate, but I'll take it. You can just put it like underneath your 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 editor in chief. Right. Uh, That's how I introduced myself. For, exactly, exactly. Um so Christy, we're talking about both Black Widow this week. Uh, mm-hmm. which came out last weekend, as well as the Marvel series Loki, which has been going on for the last five weeks and wraps up this current week. Uh, unfortunately, we are missing the the final episode. Um, although I I guess if something super crazy happens, we could do like an emergency pod. But um, I guess we'll we, we'll we'll get into some predictions for that. But I first wanted to start us off with Black Widow. Um, after reading some of the the box office numbers from this past weekend. It seems like it was definitely a, a big success for Disney, um, which is notable considering the kind of like hybrid release strategy they had in Disney, uh, notably flaunting the uh, the purchasing numbers off Disney Plus as well as the theatrical numbers, which it seems like a lot of people went to the theater and a lot of people also fired up Disney Plus and paid $30 to watch uh, Black Widow. Um this is the first Marvel movie we've gotten in two years, and I guess a good place for us to start is, do you, did you feel like this kind of had any extra weight to it that maybe it it, it otherwise wouldn't have with such a long uh, period of time since the last Marvel movie, which I guess would have been Spider-Man Far From Home back in the you know 4th of July weekend 2019? Um, or, or, or is it sort of like with all the TV shows and stuff, has it just, has has it not felt like Marvel has been gone from our lives at all? That's, it's wild that it was two years ago that there was another Marvel movie, but even with the shows, which I think has helped kind of scratch the Marvel itch, it's been different. I mean, as much as they like to make some of the shows have that MCU feel, a a movie Mm -hmm. like blockbuster movie is still going to be just different. Um, so I think I think there was added weight. I think in some ways it actually was probably a good thing for Black Widow because it actually maybe had those people that were pining for for this um, even more apt to like it and to go out and see it or pay more money at home to watch it, you know, whichever it was. So, yeah. So were you someone who was kind of like craving a, a Black Widow movie? I know for a lot of people, this is uh, a character, of, you know someone there's like three people out there who have not seen any marvel movies uh black widow is the character scarlett johansson plays and i believe in the comics is like a russian spy um there's been a lot of talk for years and years about why is scarlett johansson the the one person out of the avengers cast that didn't have an original movie um was was this a character that you were like eagerly awaiting kind of a, a standalone installment um did you think it was ever going to happen especially well i guess we knew a black widow movie was coming when um spoiler to the also three people in the world who did not see avengers endgame um black widow dies in that movie so this that makes this a 
a sort of strange Marvel period piece that is is set like multiple movies back. I think it, it's actually set. Um, it's like right after Civil War, right? That's that's when this is set. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I, I guess getting back to the original question was was this a, a a movie that you were sort of hoping was going to happen eventually? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and this is something we talked about either because we've done a few of these now. Uh, it was either on the Marvel one where we talked about like the upcoming slate or maybe it was things that were coming to theaters. But I was I was honestly not even that excited about Black Widow like a week or two ago, honestly. And I know that sounds horrible, but I it was just, you know, I actually like the character in the comics. But as a character in the in the films, like, I don't know, I just I never was really craving a standalone film. And then after obviously she died, spoiler, you know, as much as you might want to go back to that character, this is kind of taking everything away from what we're used to in the MCU. Um, there's like, you know, obviously her family and there's like this kind of new cast in, in some ways and this different storyline, which touches on things that we heard about, but really like, you know, expands on that. And so I, w I wasn't necessarily craving it, but um, it turns out I wasn't, you know, I, I liked it. So, <laughs> for the most yeah. part, so. OK, so you so you're you're giving a, a thumbs up. I was maybe like in the same spot of you of I I like Scarlett Johansson in these movies just fine um you know i think she has been used much more interestingly in like dozens of other movies <laughs> i would not say like even though this seems like the the most sort of notable like you know what i always think about like when a celebrity dies like what's the first movie on their obituary like black black widow will probably like if like Please God, don't let it happen. But if Scarlett Johansson like happened to like go down in a plane crash tomorrow, like I I'd imagine Black Widow is the first thing underneath that um that obituary. But yeah, I I kind of I it always struck me as crazy that they never gave her a standalone movie. But I don't know that I always find that the most her the most interesting character, which is why I think in a movie like this you kind of need to surround her with more um idiosyncratic and kind of interesting characters with some bigger personalities because uh the character of black widow aka natasha romanoff is uh is is such a straight arrow and i think is so interior and keeps so much of her kind of past and emotions hidden from even the other members of the Avengers that I think makes her kind of a hard character to translate in a, in a leading performance. Mm -hmm. um, would, would you kind of agree with that? Yes, I would. And I think that we've over the course of, you know, however many MCU movies that she was in, like kind of just, you know, scraped little by little and learned more and more about her. And she became more vulnerable until her demise. Um, so it, this is kind of like, you know, we're going back in time, first of all, which is kind of, you know, awkward in a sense, um, because we almost know her a little bit better in the present. But I think that the fact that I mean, in the cast that they kind of put around her and the story they put around her did you know, make it compelling, but it's something that was definitely necessary, I think, for this to work. And it's not, you know, it really isn't any negative on her as to why I wouldn't want this. It just wasn't something that I ever felt was really necessary. And now, again, I'm glad that we did, but it also was the timing too. And I heard about everything Marvel was doing 
you know, the beginning or of this year, et cetera. This just wasn't the standout one that I was really excited about. That's all. And maybe it's because we've seen her for so long that I was just like, eh. also the trailer, by the way, is just really bad in comparison to the movie. I, I kind of don't remember the trailer at all, <laughs> it, to be it honest. Made it, it made it seem a lot different and not okay. in a good way. It took like all the jokes and which, you know, I mean, you kind of are expecting that kind of humor, especially with like David Harbour, but it, it just made it like over the top action humor and it kind of lost a lot of the character development and actual like dramatic emotional moments that came with this film. So it just made it look worse to me. I don't know. So that might have, and that's sometimes something that Marvel and any big studio does with trailers is they can sometimes like talk you out of wanting to see something. Yeah. And, and I, I noticed online, a lot of people, the, the one comment that, amongst pretty much everyone either whether they liked the movie whether they didn't like the movie is kind of it it feeling like a movie that was made like five or six years like probably should have come out like five or six years ago and then just sort of like sat on a shelf and then now it's sort of like making up for lost time so to speak it 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 does sort of uh feel it's it is probably the most standalone installment of the mcu thus far if only because it it has like zero effect well arguably zero to no effect on on anything that's that's coming coming down the pipeline unless we want to talk about you know whether or not this movie is a sort of passing of the baton from scarlett johansson the florence Pugh, which i think is entirely possible yeah um but but this is more sort of i think kind of making up for for something that should have been done years and years ago and for whatever reason just wasn't um did it sounded like you liked the movie though yeah yeah i mean it wasn't like a overwhelming yes but i i did like the movie yeah and it was more than i expected which is always a good thing when you, when you go into a movie and don't expect to necessarily like it that much and then you know you enjoy it a lot so i still have plenty of issues but i i did enjoy it more and i really appreciated because again, when I went, when I originally saw the trailer too, like even, you know, Rachel Vice, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, I was like, you know, what's up with this like family dynamic going on here? It just didn't feel, I don't know, it was strange. And then when I saw the movie, it just, I don't know, it worked for me. But um, I'm, I'd be okay with the baton to Florence Pugh as well. I think she's sassy and I like her. Um, but yeah. I, I this... think arguably the, the best part of the movie, which as a whole, I'm, I'm, pretty mixed on but i don't mm-hmm. i don't think it's any secret my sort of uh fanfare for, for florence Pugh, who i just think we need to we need to keep keep cultivating her that roles. movie stardom yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it when she makes fun of scarlett johansson's uh landing on the ground yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so a lot of this kind of struck me as like this sort of feels like Marvel's version of the Americans. I don't know if yes. you ever saw that, yes. that, that FX series that, that ran for a while about is set during the cold war about a like family of essentially spies. They're sort of like a faux family um, or, and the, the, the husband and the wife are spies and eventually like the oldest daughter figures it out. And so there's a lot in this movie about how we you know when uh, Natasha Romanoff, was a young girl she was part of this like russian spy family and so you had david harbour and rachel wise as the spy parents and then her and florence Pugh 
were the like you know the the kids that were just sort of like needed to be there in order to sort of keep up the ruse and eventually when the mission is over they separate and uh florence Pugh and scarlett johansson's character are taken into a a shadowy organization that turns them into a female you know members of a female spy army and um puts them through some abusive training that's all shown to us in a pretty creepy uh title sequence set to I love a... the title <laughs> sequence. It was creepy as hell. It was, it was I liked it. <laughs> it it honestly made me laugh a little bit if only because um so I I watched I admittedly watched this on a screener. I was on vacation and uh I was visiting my my brother and his wife out in California and the night before um my sister-in-law was basically talking about like her like secret favorite thing that she finds really funny is in movie trailers or just movies in general, whenever they do like the creepy child or like creepy (laughs) female cover of some pop song of the last 20 years. And then sure enough, the next day when I fired up the screen and the, the, the opening credits came on and it was that like really creepy version of smells like teen spirit. I, I just had, uh, a good chuckle but um yeah that was well timed yeah um and i i definitely got the americans vibe too which i had just actually watched that series uh for the first time not that long ago and first thing in the opening scene i was like this is so so yes. much the americans <laughs> um and and i love that aspect i actually love anything to do with kind of the spy element i feel like is what's mm-hmm. most interesting about this story and what takes it away from the regular mcu because there isn't a lot of people that are in that that have that kind of background and also everything with the red room and all the horrible stuff like her, her background is something that makes her stand out in a, in her own way. And so I feel like when they lean into more of the spy work, I, I mean, I feel like the movie is, is at its best. See, I almost wish there was a little bit, I almost think like as a superhero movie, this is, is fine. But as a spy movie, it it kind of left me lacking and, I, you know, the inevitable spy franchise that I compare everything to, like the Mission Impossible franchise, for example, like I think there's the Marvel way of shooting action, I think just kind of left me baffled in a a more sort of grounded spy story as opposed to when the Marvel movies are more cosmic, like it, it makes sense to me of why we have these like giant over the top, like CGI heavy uh, action sequences. I, I don't say that to like throw a dart at <laughs> CGI just as a, a filmmaking tool. Um, but it, you know, in something like Avengers Endgame, like, you know, that is a, a grand cosmic story. It makes sense that, you know, you got to be able to, uh, put together these these sequences in the computer that there's no feasible way to recreate that in the real world and there were just a lot of action sequences Mm -hmm. in this movie that just sort of i mean this is a point that uh i definitely want to bring up in regards to loki a little bit but this kind of really felt made on a soundstage or made on Mm -hmm. a set and and made you know that that typical marvel house style of like oh you guys like shot this on a soundstage in atlanta sort of thing and missing using the mission impossible movies as an example missing the kind of like 
all right, if we're doing a more grounded story with real people, like show me some real stunts, like, you know, have Scarlett Johansson hanging out of an airplane or like riding on a motorcycle backwards or, you know, whatever other like crazy stunts you want to go with. Now, granted, everyone's not like a lunatic like Tom Cruise, but <laughs> I, that, that, that was sort of uh, a thing that kind of left me a bit disengaged throughout <laughs> some of the movie. Um, I, I, I don't know. Did, did you have kind of a similar problem or what did, did you sort of, yeah. Yeah. It was my biggest issue with the movie. I feel like it's, it's something, you know, I said that my favorite parts were when it was trying to be like, you know, kind of like a spy thriller. I just feel like it was also too much trying to be a, a big grand scale MCU film. And it was like kind of clashing in that way because first of all, she's not a character. I mean, there's some ridiculous scenes in this movie, like hers, like soaring through the air and stuff. She right. doesn't have like the superpowers that, you know, so many of the Avengers have. So I feel like when she's utilized best is in those smaller kind of fight sequences. Like when she first fights Florence Pugh, I think that that's done really well. And there's a yep. few other scenes like that, but when they're making it really big and over the top effects and just trying to, it's basically the whole third act. I don't like this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I said, I like this movie, it's like, you know, a slightly leaning towards the like, it's not like a, you know, I love black widow. Um, but I just, I appreciated the kind of, I don't know, family drama element and I just little things like that. But overall, I just think that's an issue that Marvel does is that it always has to feel like it has to be this huge display and in, in the final act. And sometimes it, lessens the story when it does it sometimes it's amazing and it works perfectly but sometimes it's just like uh, you know and i feel like this movie was a little bit like confused at times as how to mash up all these different elements yeah i i think kind of uh you know piggybacking off of that i think sort of my larger issue with the movie i guess my my intake is the thing that really worked for me is the cast and i think they like i said they found a really fun collection of people to kind of surround around Scarlett Johansson with Florence Pugh and David Harbour and Rachel Wise. And whenever it's all of them on screen together, I think the movie is, is very enjoyable and very fun. And they, they, you know, in typical Marvel style, they know how to bring uh, great personalities out of their, their actors and their characters. Um, I, I just found, maybe you can better explain to me the, the red room and the sort of like uh the the mission at this movie's center which i think at the end i was kind of like okay i kind of get it like this is the sort of shadowy organization that trained um and abused uh scarlett johansson and florence pew but i i i just quite i couldn't quite wrap my head around what the sort of like larger objective of the movie was or re really I'm trying to say is like what the stakes of the movie were and and what I was supposed to be invested in <laughs> and kind of found myself just sort of disinterested in the the story or the mission at large that these characters were on so you just weren't like hugely compelled by the idea of these these people having mind control and um you know i mean that's basically it i don't even know if there was necessarily like something right i don't know if ray winstone had this like big master plan i don't i feel like he never got that monologue at the end where he detailed everything other than like the revenge of his what happened with uh you know his daughter olga and right. 
you know, make, but he was basically like controlling everyone, even though they basically were already being controlled by them in a sense, because they had been plucked from childhood and forced into this basically like spy slavery. But then at the same time, right. it's like, okay, now we're actually going to control your emotions and make you do things. And then there's like this weird thing with like, you can't hurt him because of pheromones. I don't know. I feel like I don't even know if they knew what they were doing with the story. So I can't explain it any better, but yeah, I mean the, there, you know, the idea of plucking young women from society and enslaving them to this horrible spy organization, like, I, I understand the the need of like we need to stop that, but I I just sort of felt like a lack of urgency or a lack of like why what is the significance of like why we have to take this thing down now I, this like thing that has supposedly existed for for years and years and it just sort of felt like they're like one day Florence Pugh and uh, Scarlett Johansson were like yeah you know we should probably put an end to that you want to come. Yeah, I'm not really doing anything. And then that's just how the the adventure starts. <laughs> yeah, the story and, and comes just, later. We'll just figure it out as we go. Right. And and you mentioning Ray Winston, who like has a brief appearance at the beginning of the movie and then just sort of like they clearly got him for like two days and just sort of shuffles in on like one set at the end of the movie and t- t- attempts to do a lot of explanation and about like what is actually going on in this movie and at at that point i i kind of just sort of like tapped out yeah i kind of just shrugged and was just like okay whatever (laughs) yeah i did too like i said i was i had a a lot of issues with the uh the third act of the film so it was just like you know including that whole part (laughs) at the very end um but yeah i mean overall there was other things i liked it's just it's it's also not a movie that I can like I was just thinking about this because if I ever when I do watch all the movies I mean I like to watch them in order mm-hmm. chronologically etc I, I just don't know how much I would even want to plug Black Widow in for a second watch and that sounds horrible right. but I don't know maybe if Florence Pugh becomes like gets the baton and becomes this you know kick-ass new um you know <laughs> Black Widow 2 uh then then maybe I will but as it is right now i mean it, it's kind of like a, a way to end natasha romanoff's story but it's it's still not like a immensely essential film if that that sounds mean <laughs> no i mean I, I i totally get it and like i i want to go on record if we are i mean i hope it does not prevent her from doing anything else because lord knows we need florence Pugh in a diversity of, di- of like a diverse range of different kind of movies i don't want her getting like part of me does not want her getting like sucked Swept into like up, i gotta yeah. yeah i gotta do five of these like every every she's probably already signed like the next 20 years away at this point it's... right but you know theoretically i am fully on board with like if if we want to usher her in and make her like a big marquee action star as the next black widow um, but I, I totally agree with you of this is this is weirdly the first Marvel movie in a really long time that feels inessential. Like the thing it makes me think of is um, the Han Solo movie from a few years back and kind of Ooh, walking out of worse. that. <laughs> that movie is so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is bad, but of like walking, walking out or like closing up my laptop in, in this case with like the same feeling of 
kind of just shrug, like feeling like the whole movie was a bit of a shrug and just sort of like, I'm, I'm all for, I tend to like the standalone Marvel movies a bit more than the big team up ones, but something that kind of felt inessential and like there was an idea of, yeah, we should do a Han Solo movie or yeah, we should do a, a black widow movie, but the, the sort of thought process didn't go much beyond. Yeah. Let's just do that. Like, that'll be fine. People will like that. Right. And it just sort of feeling like, well, why, why did we do that? Like, why did we spend all that, all that money and all that kind of manpower to, put this together if that makes sense yeah and the thing is they don't have they probably don't have an answer just immediately to that so yeah if, if that's money that's that's that'll be the answer right. yes dollar that signs. mickey mouse gives <laughs> um well let's transition into talking about loki which as i mentioned is been going on for about five weeks now uh mm-hmm. there's a sixth episode coming this week that we're recording um how would you say this series has compared to the other two Marvel series, Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision, um, which you and I have both discussed, and I would encourage anyone, if they've like recently watched those series, to go back to some earlier, latest episodes and listen to Christine and I talk about those shows. Yeah. Actually, that just reminded me, too. There is a um, post-credit scene in Black Widow with Julie Louis-Dreyfus from her character from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel like we have to say that. <laughs> yes. I had heard that ahead of time. I admit I did not watch the end credits because someone had, I think it had come out like when she appeared on that show that like, hey, so this is what the end credits for Black Widow was supposed to be. Because this movie was supposed to come out before that series aired. So it's sort of like, for those of us that were watching that series, when Julie Louis-Dreyfus comes on, we were like, what? Okay, I guess she's <laughs> Veep crossover. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, but no, she's actually like a character that appears in like an in-credit scene in the uh, in the Black Widow movie. Yeah, kind of teasing like maybe bringing in Florence Pugh. I, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but that's something that could be interesting because I don't even know what her like her thing is necessarily in the in the the MCU, but I know that she brought in the faux um, Captain America from Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. So, yeah, as as I understand from people who are more knowledgeable about these things than me, she she's kind of a Nick Fury type. I forget the name of the the kind of superhero group, the organization. Yeah, I, yeah, I, the- I know that. I just don't know if she's like necessarily all for good, or I mean, I don't know if there's a little bit of, you know. But there's anyway. Either way, it's to, mysterious. To be seen. Yes, it's it's the Veep crossover. That's that's right. what it is. Um, so yeah, with Loki, um, you know, I feel like it's on the same page as being kind of more weird and experimental, like WandaVision. Um, not as necessarily safe as Falcon and the Winter Soldier. As far as how it stands, I'm I have such mixed feelings about Loki right now because there's okay. been a, there's been a couple episodes that I really loved, and I really liked just where it was going, and it's weird and embraces that and then there was just a couple episodes where i was like "Mm." so it's like the finale it's really like kind of all like coming down to that finale for me but overall i still like it and i actually think i still like it more than falcon or a soldier so i I don't know by by the end i'll know like where it stands with wandavision i just really loved wandavision for some reason but um how it stands against that but i mean at the end of the day i love tom hiddleston i love loki so 
I'm always excited to get him on screen more. And I think that this show definitely goes just completely bonkers at times. I mean, we have an alligator, Loki, in the most recent episode, which just sounds like if no one's watching this completely, just like I just made that up, but I really didn't. He even bites yeah. the hand off another Loki. <laughs> Just amazing stuff. Right. And anything um, that has Owen Wilson and, and Tom Hiddleston is like kind of like um, you know, buddy cop duo is is pretty awesome as well. Yeah, I almost want more of that. that like, that's, that's what I that's... want more of too. There are like conversations in the first episode too, is just some of my favorite. Like I, I guess I could just go into that. Like in the premiere when you're first introduced to this whole situation, which is just again completely weird and off the wall, but but kind of cool you know um with like his displacement of time because he grabs you know at the end of uh avengers what is it infinity war when he takes the tesseract and he like you know goes away um but basically it's like the loki from avengers who hasn't really matured who hasn't really had especially emotionally matured who hasn't had these experiences that we've seen with loki and thor and had you know like lost his mother and his father he's just like that bratty wants to rule the world uh, narcissist and he has to very quickly find out basically what was going to happen to him in the future and there's like a really emotional scene where he's kind of taking that in which I loved and then also discovering like you know essentially you're screwed because you can't go back into your timeline now and also he has to be employed to track down another version of him who is the quote-unquote bad guy of this which you know obviously there's more to it than that mm-hmm. so that's a lot to, to take in but i i really love that whole idea and that whole story so the first episode i was like really really excited about it and then him and owen wilson he he would like you know really taunt him and like some of the back and forth banter is just hilarious um and so that i really loved and then i just feel like it's it's kind of wobbled a little bit but i'd like to know what you thought what have you thought so far I'm I'm a little comforted to know that your your feelings on it are a little up and down because that's that's how I am. Um, I think it's what well, we'll we'll see where it ranks. I definitely like it better than Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll see how it stacks up to Wandavision, which I thought was pretty fun, though. Like, was less wild by like the eventually where it ended up on the finale. Um, but the I guess the thing that I really like about uh the loki series at its best i think employs sort of the the grab bag mania of comic books yes and like this most recent episode which i mean spoilers if you haven't watched any of this like it all five of the those episodes that have aired thus far are are fair game for us to talk about um so if you don't want any spoilers come come back (laughs) um but you know these moves this most recent episode where loki winds up on that planet or that realm where there are the different variations on loki like there (laughs) there's the alligator loki that you mentioned which i love there's Mm -hmm. the like richard e grant loki which can we just get a whole tv series of richard <laughs> e grant as as loki and of course sort of the who we believe is the antagonist of the series for a while is this uh kind of sylvie fe- yeah sylvie who is this female version of loki um and essentially that i don't think it's any surprise to anyone who's been watching it thus far that this kind of seems to be the big show that is kind of like 
WandaVision in its um you know post credit scene I think gave us the tease of this but this really seems to be the show that is kind of like fully introducing the multiverse idea into Marvel but I I just really enjoy this show at its best when it feels really unpredictable and really crazy and in episodes like this most recent one where there's this like whole planet of just like random different Lokis that have been and, like disregarded. Right. That have been sort of banished there. <laughs> and it, it, it almost being like, okay, so this is our chance to any depiction or version of Loki that has ever appeared in a comic book is now fair game to use. And that's, that's the energy I sort of like about the show is the, the, the kind of like anything at any point in Marvel comics is just fair game. And of just sort of like, like it's all Canon. If that makes sense, we don't have to be, say like, well only like this version or this run of uh, stories with these characters is like what we're drawing on. It's like, no, we can pull anything from any random point in this like decades long history and just kind of do it in this like fun whimsical sign of sort of grab bag way Mm -hmm. um and i think we're in the show is a little less engaging to me is where i I kind of sort of the opposite sort of when i know where it's sort of going and i think as as it's gone on obviously there's been like this most recent episode that i mentioned but i it kind of seems like we're you know we're we're heading to this place where there is going to be the big reveal of like, oh, there's actually all these multiple different timelines. There's no real like one timeline. And, uh, you know, the reveal that, um, you know, the timekeepers, it's all a, a hoax or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the conversation of what this means for sort of setting the stage for the next phase of Marvel stuff, that's sort of the least interesting part of this show to me. But when it's, just getting those moments to be fun and weird or say, Hey, let's just have Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson just sort of make snarky comments at each other from across the table. Like that's really fun. I've missed Owen Wilson all these years. So um, that's, that's kind of my up and down journey with the show is when, when it's embracing the weirdness of comic books, um, I find it really fun. But when it's, when, when I can feel it sort of setting the pebbles in place for us to like get on the path to the next Marvel phase, that's when I'm a little disinterested. In yeah. It. When it's playing it more safe and we're definitely inching towards that. I'm sure we're going to get answers in the, in the uh, finale, but I agree. And I, I actually, I mean, I, I love the weirdness factor. That's one of my favorite aspects of this. And, you know, I think, it, it kind of takes me back to like Thor Ragnarok um, mm-hmm. kind of embracing like the weirdness a little bit too, but yeah. And I should have said like, it's the TVA, the time variance authority. And it actually was after Avengers Endgame, not infinity war, but it's something that is going to be obviously instrumental into the kind of different timelines and um, all the things that we're going to see in the MCU. And it's just giving us like that early dose, but it can really bring in pretty like what you said, like every character from the comics, if it wants. And I I love that in this last episode. And it's also something that's just so weird, like, but makes sense that Loki, Tom Hiddleston's character has feelings for Sylvie, 
which is a mm-hmm. female version of himself because re- like the only romantic interest that Loki could probably ever have is another version of himself. <laughs> I, you know, you you have now fully made me come full circle of that. That's That was one of the things that like I've sort of, that has not worked for me in the last couple mm-hmm. episodes is like, really, they... they, they they gotta like have a romantic thing they can't just have like a that like that doesn't make sense to me but now your full explanation of like no he's a narcissist of course he would just be in love with himself (laughs) like (laughs) you've sold me on that that whole concept now well it's funny because i go back and forth on it i was like why is this necessary he's a character that doesn't need to have that i just it's you know what i mean not everybody needs to find some it it was kind of like you know scarlett johansson and mark ruffalo i never really felt like that Right, feeling weirdly forced in a way of like, well, we got to have a romance in here. People love romance. (laughs) But at the same time, this is also, I think they mentioned at some point in those five episodes that basically like they could have like broken... I don't know, something with the TVA because of their connection. Well, of course, because it's weird as hell. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like two versions of the same person having feelings for each other. It makes no sense. So um, in that way, I'm like, okay, well, I can accept that. Plus, again, he is such a narcissist that it almost makes sense. Uh, You know, he clearly sees something he likes in her. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and and also, yeah, Richard E. Grant was was amazing, too. And there was actually a really great speech he had about um, not speech, but like story about what he what happened with him and how he missed. I think he said he missed Thor. And there's been a few like emotional moments in the show, too, which I can appreciate. And I would even encourage more of those. But I I, I love the silliness. And those are some of the most fun I um, have experienced so far. But I'm kind of curious as to why they are doing a second season like i guess i know why because this is so popular and dollar signs again but yeah at the same time i was kind of glad that it was on its own like a six episode thing and now it's like okay so now they're not going to tie things up and you know yeah i guess that'll be i i guess i'll have a better answer for whether or not i i'm excited by the idea of of more of this show after we see the finale and see kind of where where we're heading this season Mm -hmm. um you know i've I've heard some people suggest like there's going to be some big reveal about who the next i i I honestly forget what the name of the character is but like that this is going to end with like the big reveal of who the next quote-unquote thanos is like the next big bad that they're going to build to in the next several years um Mm -hmm. as well as the possibility that just like you know who who's really overseeing the the time yes the i think you're talking about kang by the way kang yes yes yeah. that's that's exactly um but you know i've also heard the possibility of like it's it's a loki that's it's just another loki that is running <laughs> that's running it and the you know the fun the funness of just sort of like now we get to play in a world of just like i almost would like that where it's yeah, just um, like a million lokis are just pretty much <laughs> pulling every string in the world yeah if that if that's the premise we're leaning to i uh, by all means sell me into a uh a second season that sounds really fun if we can just sort of like keep running with the the craziness but yeah if if we get to another like here's the big cliffhanger for like the next three marvel movies then then i'm maybe gonna feel a little bit like i don't know do we what what is there to do for a second season if it's just if this was all just sort of a setup if that makes sense yeah and i guess it'll also depend on like when this second season will come out like after what movies maybe it'll somehow tie in something else later on that will actually we will enjoy and be glad for Mm -hmm. i don't know 
I'm just trying to be optimistic there. But I, I, I don't know. When I heard there was a second season, it, I was a little disappointed. And that's kind of saying something because I do love Loki. He's always been one of my favorite characters. And we've gotten many Lokis now <laughs> in the show. Right. Yeah. It's something else I want to ask you about the show is there's a certain staginess to it. Um, you know, th- this, I don't think it's any sort of grand revelation to to say that this feels like a show that is sort of very confined to sort of like small sets. Um, and that's been another issue that is sort of like gone up and down with my, my feelings for the show. Cause I think when it's actually in, uh, sort of the, the drone like offices, which, um, I learned the other day, like a lot of the, is it the, the TVA? Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah the, a lot of the tva offices there's this like hotel in atlanta that has this like very strange architect i forget the name of the hotel i've been inside it like once but this hotel in atlanta that has this kind of like very strange kind of curvy architecture inside of it and that's what they're using for a lot of the um the tva offices but i i love all of the detail and imagination in the kind of interior sets. I think it's when this show kind of goes out into the world, like another planet or something like it that. It does. Yeah. It, it loses you a little bit. Right. It loses me. And that's when it starts to feel very, very confined and very, very stagey and just sort of like, all right, we have this one room and you can't really move around that much, but we're, trust me, we're going to kind of project stuff on the, the back screen behind you. And it doesn't feel as sort of like, fully developed and it i don't know does that make sense of sort of like when the when the the sort of visuals of the show are smaller like these offices it feels like a much bigger expansive world but then when it's out in a bigger expansive world it feels like everyone is just confined to this like weirdly small set in atlanta no i absolutely agree i'm glad that you brought that up and it's weird because saying that out loud doesn't seem like it makes sense but it totally does i love the office sets too and that's really cool about the hotel but I feel like that's some of my favorite, you know, moments in the show or when they're in in um, the offices. And for some reason, whenever they've gone out of there, um, especially this last episode and then the episode where it's primarily just him and Sylvie. Right. The one with the, the train. Yeah. Both of those, like, they they did feel like oddly confined, even though it was supposed to be this like giant, you know, incredible special effect driven world. But I, I didn't particularly like that. It definitely felt very stagey. So I, I, I hear you there. I do have to throw out there was, um, something that I just re- reminded me of. There was an amazing part in one of these episodes where basically as like a way of torture, Owen Wilson put Loki in this like recurring memory. <laughs> I didn't really like that bit. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> what, what, would, what would your bit be? <laughs> oh, geez. It's too, or is it too painful to <laughs> It's to, too to painful recall. to imagine yeah Yeah. but yeah so there's a lot of like um imaginative elements in the show too that i just i just really love and it's a lot of fun like the things that they can do and and i hope that we get more of that without having to be big scopes and world you know these worlds they're going to because there's a lot of cool stuff they can do even within the confines of the office yeah yeah i think i think i've been keeping with the show if only for kind of what you said of just the there's a lot of imagination at the center and a sense of fun and and possibility in this show that even when an episode doesn't quite click i'm 
I'm eager to see what the next week is because it, it at its best just sort of seems like the show can kind of go anywhere. Yeah. So do you have any kind of last Loki thoughts, Loki predictions for what the finale will bring before we kind of wrap up or any, you know, grand predictions for where the, the MCU is headed after this? <laughs> any grand predictions? Um, no, I, I'm sure that they know what they're doing. They probably have the next like 10 years of our lives uh, etched out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, I do think for, for Loki that there is a good chance that Kang will be introduced or at the very least teased. And, you know, it, it is a little bit frustrating because the big baddie that what we're going to have in this next however many phases, I guess, um, it's you can't really like it was they did such a good job with like the Thanos and how that ended it's just going to be hard to really have a big baddie that doesn't feel like you're just trying to like up from Thanos or mm. like copy and so it'll be interesting but I, I do think there's a lot of stuff that they can do with you know the the multiverse that could be really fascinating and um, I'm, that's why I'm excited to see Doctor Strange the next one as well but with Loki I think that the only real prediction I could say is that I think it is going to end up being more of what we were just saying we didn't like, which is more of like the, I don't think there's just going to be a show about a thousand Lokis. I, I think we're going to have some kind of bad Darn. guy, whether or not we're disappointed. Um, maybe Richard E. Grant will just be the bad guy. That would be awesome. No, but um, even though if I it's, think he... If it's a, a giant setup for the Loki alligator series, yes. then then I will be... Th th it will have fully won me over. <laughs> a plus TV show. That's <laughs> what I want. That's, I'm, that's what I'm going to plead for right now is we need an alligator. <laughs> and the fact that they bring that up like five times, there's like a great part, a little bit where Owen Wilson's talking about like, is he a Loki? Maybe he's not a Loki talking about the alligator like, like having I a serious love owen wilson on the show so much too i know uh okay so anyway that's i don't really have any very specific predictions but um we'll see we'll we might have to talk about it maybe we'll have to have an emergency session like you said yes maybe well uh christy thank you again for for hopping by this week to to discuss the latest marvel offerings um in the coming weeks on the latest we are somehow going to find a way to talk about the Space Jam sequel, which oh, no. I don't want to do, <laughs> but I imagine is going to be a fun episode um, or a depressing episode. We'll see. Um, also, M. Night Shyamalan has a new movie coming out, so we'll be looking back at the career of... I, I don't know. what. How do you feel about M. Night Shyamalan right now, Christy? <laughs> is, or have, have you... Is, yay, nay... <laughs> I'm still eh, figuring it it's out. Like, it's like meh. It's like in the middle. Like there's some movies that I really like, quite have loved. And then there's other ones that are just like, you know, I use them as a way to, for laughter, like with Mark Wahlberg quotes. And... <laughs> but I am curious about old. So Yeah, I think I think it looks good. But I also just recently went back and rewatched a bunch of the M. Night Shyamalan movies. And when... when... When they're good, like they're they're genuinely like really effective and or at least like interesting. And when they're bad, oh, they're also oh boy. effectively bad. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs>